Listen, all you New Yorkers. This is the 77 WABC minicast. So, Anthony Weiner, uh, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, saw it coming right down the middle, that lawsuit with all the details. Remember, when people file lawsuits, you got to understand. Newspapers print it word for word. They don't dissect, bisect. They don't say, well, this is true. We'll have to sort of um, morph this down. The way it gets submitted, that's the way it gets printed in the tabloids. And then it went viral. And it suggested that Sean Puff Daddy Combs had actually transported male prostitutes across state lines, which is a violation of the Mann Act, which is why Elliot Spitzer resigned, because that was a federal charge. Uh, for the purpose uh, of uh, watching this woman who was suing him have sex with these guys, filming it and pleasurizing himself. He had Benjamin Bramfman in the morning say, an absolute outrage. We look forward to dealing with these scurrilous lies in civil court. By the time I came on at night, 12 minutes, settled. Uh, we're on an agreement. How many millions have changed hands? We'll never know. But I think Sean Puff Daddy Combs got the shock of his life. When he said, no, Ben, they can't be printing that. He said, my very dear client and friend, I've been representing you for many years. That's the way this business works. I mean, also, you got to give him credit for just getting out of the way fast, though. You, you, It makes you wonder. I mean, if you're going to read between the lines, he didn't take this woman seriously when she said, I'm going to sue you if you don't come across with some money. And And you're exactly right. And it's, by the way, it's true also in the Donald Trump stuff and everything else. Indictments are just one side of it. And in a lawsuit, the, the original filing, that's why you'll notice if a good lawyer who's used to dealing with cases like this, he doesn't write a lot of legalese. No. They, they write it like it's a press release. They write because, it for the tabloids, right. the Daily Mail, exactly. the New York Post, the Daily News, and then it goes viral. And so everything in the complaint gets published. The perception publicly is, oh, my God, what a monster you are. This guy is on the cusp of being another rapper who's worth a billion dollars with all of his ventures. And I think reality hit is like, hey, this is going to cost me millions and millions of dollars. But this can destroy my my entire thing, this whole thing that I built up. You know, but I and I know we're in this I know we're in the, in the mode of believe the women and everything else. But another lesson you can read from this is is a pretty quick turnaround from filing a document that says outrageous things to getting a check. And I know that I want to assume the best of people, but and I, I don't know what was going on here, obviously. But it does kind of send the lesson that if you have a smart lawyer who writes a pretty good a pretty good civil case, you know, it, because on both sides, what's the lesson? The lesson on the P Diddy side is settle quick or don't let it make it to the papers. The lesson on 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 the woman's side is listen, you can go nuclear pretty easy and uh, and 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 have it go your way. That's why so few of these things actually become court cases. That- was the fastest turnaround of any civil lawsuit I've ever seen. And I'll bet you it was Benjamin Bramfman, who's been around a long time, who said, P. Diddy, it ain't worth it. This woman probably has the goods. Don't even. It, yeah, you're gonna, you might end up losing a lot of money. It's worth giving it to her. Uh, we have an agreement. She goes her way. You go your way. You never talk about it. She never talks about it. Everybody walks away in good shape. Speaking of walking away. Did you see what happened on Wall Street? Nobody's paying attention to this story. 
All the cannabis stocks hit rock bottom because the main guru of using marijuana, smoking marijuana, doing everything with marijuana, putting it in your food, your gummies, uh, in your cakes, your bake, uh, your baking, your pies. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Although what happened to Snoop Doggy Dog? He used to be Snoop Doggy Dog, and then he became fifty. A A R P. And now it's just <laughs> Mister Snoop Dogg. Announced on his Instagram, he's done. I'm not smoking any longer. This is a personal matter. I discuss it with family and friends. Please. Don't bring it up anymore. Guy's gone cold turkey right before Thanksgiving Day. Well, he has smoked so much pot, he probably forgot he used to smoke it. He has no idea. Hey, you know, there's Imagine, this... it causes all the stocks to plummet. Yeah. All the, the, all the cannabis stocks. Hey, we, you know, you and I have talked about it. There is so much we don't know about the long-term effects of smoking marijuana. I know everyone, it's very fashionable now, and like, oh, it's it's harmless, and it's not as bad as alcohol or whatever else. But there are long-term it, – it, I have no doubt it's a gateway drug. I have no doubt that it leads to cognitive impairment. I have no doubt it's addictive. And all of these things, I mean, who knows what, what is going on in Snoop's life, but you're exactly right. The combination of the state's experiments to legalize it not being terrific successes, including here in New York, which is probably even the worst, and also the fact that, you know, it's lost some of the, the shine has gone off, off the, the bloom has gone off the rose or whatever the expression is. But, yeah, I, I did see that. Both on the on the retail side and in the in the cultivation side, all these companies that thought they were going to see the promised land with this product, you know, they lost their spokesman. Willie Nelson is saying, "I don't understand what's up with these young huckleberries." First, Woody Harrelson gives it up. Now, all of a sudden, Snoop Dogg can't keep up with him. He is ninety years old. Yeah, and he smokes, as he says, religiously every day uh, with Jimmy Carter in hospice, his wife joining him. Boy, how he's held on, Jimmy Carter. I don't know, but. I remember Willie Nelson told the story that he had smoked marijuana on a visit to Jimmy Carter in the White House. And he said he shared it with one of the uh, servants, uh, one of the the uh, service personnel. Shared the pot or shared the story? No, no, shared the pot. Oh, yeah? Jimmy Carter, you know, I, I hated him as a president, but the guy, he said, I cannot lie. It was my son that he was smoking it with. That's funny. He gave up his own son. That's funny. But can you imagine... If Jimmy Carter were lucid now, still able to comment on the Middle East, Israel versus Hamas, you know whose side he'd be taking. Well, he he was the worst. I mean, look, you don't want to speak ill of him because soon we're going to be seeing all these stories about what are. And, and he was a great former president, no doubt about that. But his he was the worst president for Israel we ever had. Why do you think that was, that he had such a visceral dislike here's my, of Israel? Here's my thing. My thing, you know, he was big on human rights and everything else, and he just had very little historical context for it because of where he came from. I think Ronald Reagan was an excellent president for Israel because he came up in the labor movement in 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 Hollywood in California, going to bond breakfasts as part of his regular thing. Jimmy Carter never had any cultural connection where he came from Plains, Georgia, and everything else. And I've told the story before that when I got to Washington. I was really impressed by the way that a lot of guys who had no experience with the Jewish community were very fervent advocates for Israel. And I took it very seriously as part of my job is to help some of the new members. But a lot of these guys, they, they, their Christianity was what led. Reading the book of Exodus is what led to the support of Israel. Jimmy Carter never had that. He always, in his writings and in his speeches, always looked at the history as if it started today. And seeing the powerful Israelis and the weak Palestinians 
and and his notion. Now, the Camp David Accords were signed by him, though. So in fairness, a big peace deal was done. But the the example of of Egypt and Israel, Jordan and Israel, and maybe the Abraham Accords, but there really hasn't been that kind of effort around that has been successful with the Palestinians. But no, you you're right. He would be marching at the he'd, front he'd of the rallies. He'd be having rallies. a kafia on the shmata on his head. He'd take yep. off the Atlanta Braves cap. He'd have the shmata on his head. He'd be waving the Palestinian flag. I can never figure that out because he was the first evangelical president in the United States. Jerry Falwell at that time acknowledged, yeah. He's a true evangelical, but sort of like uh, within the Catholic Church is like liberational theologists, those who have a more progressive and liberal viewpoint of what the scripture is about. Well, he's he's Baptist, right? Yeah, Southern yeah. Baptist. Southern Baptist. Oh, man. Hardcore. Yeah, it was te- but By the way, in, in, in his defense, he's a religious guy in the old school way that he believes and acts like, you know, his yes. Habitat for Humanity, goes to church, but led his church group. He ratted his own son out. Yeah. He said, <laughs> I realized that um, uh, Willie Nelson is protecting my son. But it was not any of the guys who work in the White House that he was sharing, uh, you know, a joint but, with. It was my son. Well, how about this for how times have changed? Remember the kerfuffle that was caused when he was interviewed by Playboy magazine? Yes. And expressed that he had lust in his heart or something like that. Like his standard for infidelity was not the act, was no, even just thinking the about it. Just the thinking that's about a hardcore it. evangelical because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the way they believe. Just right. the thought. It's the Michael Pence of you. Remember, <laughs> Mike Pence. When he took meetings, and I'm sure it's still true, if a female is part of the meeting, right, in his office, his wife is there. Right, right. I mean, that's hardcore. Right. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.